live hopefully in 1988 and have a great 88. Music and Culture, the 88 Podcast, with yours truly, Wayne Anthony. Welcome to the 88 Podcast with yours truly, Wayne Anthony. And before we get on with today's podcast, I wanted to give our networks a quick plug. So you'll come along, you'll like, share, comment, and all that good stuff. First of all, we have our YouTube channel. We need subscribers, we need some more comments, we need some more likes. I really appreciate all the people that have been participating so far. Thank you very much. So get on the page. We make exclusive content for the YouTube channel as well. We have a Instagram page. Get over to Instagram. It's young. Follow us on there. We also have our Facebook page. Get over there and like our Facebook page. We're on Twitter. Like us on Twitter. Also, we're on all the major podcast networks. So do subscribe and like us on those major networks, your Apple, your iTunes, your Spotify, and all the rest of them. We're also hooked up with Acid Ted, and he's created lots of merchandise-type stuff, loads of stickers, really. We've really kind of focused on creating lots of stickers. There's 117 designs. It's on the Redbubble network. So do get over to Redbubble and look for Acid Ted and you should find that store. We'll also have all the links down below. Now, if you enjoy exclusive art or limited edition art and not necessarily products that everyone else might have, I have some limited edition art prints. There's three prints in the series. It's the only Love Conquers Hate series. This particular print is called The Frequency of Sound, and it includes lots of the pivotal tracks from that period and the producers as well. And although I couldn't fit all of the tracks from the period into this smiley, a lot of the tracks that really kind of shifted us emotionally are contained within. And this was number one in the series. And number two in the series is the rebirth of a nation because the reaction to their frequency of sound was the rebirth of the nation. This includes everything that you would expect to find in anything Acid House culture orientated. Uh, we literally have all the promoters, lots of DJs, places, locations, club nights, all that kind of stuff. And number three in the series is the assassination of youth culture, which is all real headlines from the newspapers between 1988 and 1990. As I said, they are all 100% real headlines. They all appeared in newspapers across the country. So there's three in this series. It's the Only Love Conquers Hate series. Contact me for more details. There's only 88 of each print. So get your hands on one of them now. And so on today's podcast, we've got someone that you won't normally see, someone that's behind the scenes. It's, he's quite anonymous. He's been anonymous for quite a long time. He has a stint as a DJ these days. Uh, he's known as Mr. South. But back in the old days, when it came to the growth of Acid House, he was a well-known, or he is a well-known sound technician and audio architect. He's been involved in numerous, numerous events across the years, but particularly through that 
two years of that time. He's worked with the likes of World Dance, Goldie, Prodigy, Orbital, Asian Dub Foundation, Carl Cox, Colin Favor. He he worked over in Clapham Common. He's been at Confusion, Energy, Apocalypse Now, Labyrinth, R.I.P. Sean. It, the list goes on and on. So I want to welcome to the show, Roger Nell. How are you doing, son? Yeah, I'm cool, man. Are oh, you Mr. Dansky, man? <laughs> Sorry. Well, you just did it. You just did it. You, know, you just did it. Right, yeah. Massive Well, there was loads that I actually didn't. Because the thing about it, Roger, it's like you've done so when we get to our age you know and older <laughs> we've done so many things that you know reading off a cv fitting a cv onto two pages is just impossible isn't it yeah totally totally you know so when i sit here there's so many things i could have said that you've been involved in that you've done but rather than sit here all day giving you a five minute <laughs> no. intro let's talk about <laughs> it now <laughs> and so the reason i mean it's great to actually have a face to to the name i'm sure many people will actually know the name and not necessarily know the face and considering that you've worked in so many events and you were there from the very beginning i felt like it was quite important that we got to hear your story mate and so i guess we sh should start with because i'm like you you know people say well you know what's your best part and you're like dude you know that's just such a massive question so I narrow it down and say to you, what would you actually do in on the run up to Acid House? Okay, so uh, in the run up to Acid House, I started DJing and collecting records when I was 14 and um, learning about sound systems through like mobile discos. I was with, um, I was DJing with my mate, um, Mr. Falsey, the Falsey Road Show. And um, I learned a lot from that, and uh, really, you know, that's what that's what brought me. That's what took me into it. Now, um, I was also doing parties. I started doing my own parties, and with a load of guys from around my way, I met George Kelly um, from uh, Catch Twenty Two and One Tribe. Um, back in uh, 85 at a disco mix competition. And um, from there, we went on to form Catch-22, did a load of parties in and around London, um, mainly north, north East London, with Green up around there. Uh, we were, this is, this, so this, we're talking uh, the time of Soul to Soul. Soul to Soul were like playing the opposite streets to us. Um, and TNT sound systems. Um, I used to, um, I, I was the sound system man, and I was the one who put it together and yeah, and run it. We, uh, yeah, I thought that. So, I mean, just to put things into context, uh, Catch 22, it was a sound system essentially. Yes, yeah, yeah, totally sound system. We come from more the hip hop side of things rather than the reggae sound of thing, side of things, though. Um, well, we did have some clashes with some reggae sound systems, which was quite amusing. Also, um, who else was on there? Ludi, uh, Michael, and the other DJs. Oh, I've gone out of my brain. So the first actual sort of warehousey sort of party I went to was actually uh, Mike West, you know, Rebel okay. MC, Net Congo. Yeah, yeah. And, and this is 85, is it, you say? 
85, 86, maybe 86. I was trying to pin a, a, a date on it, but it's quite hard because like, there's no real evidence, is there? You know, my... For some reason, I didn't. I didn't keep a diary. I wish I had. <laughs> Who <laughs> you, keeps diaries? Did, did you not keep a diary? Oh, all that just keep a diary out. about what? Oh man, I, I, I'm amazed at the amount of stuff. Wait, yeah. I'm from Hackney, dude. <laughs> you can remember, <laughs> like <laughs> no one keeps notes, mate. That's evidence where I come from. <laughs> That's exactly. What I'm saying. I've got to say that is one of the reasons why. Like self snitching, mate. That's too I see in, mate. Where I come from. <laughs> oh, that, 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 that makes sense yeah that's exactly the way it was wasn't it um so yeah and i yeah i was a dancer so i used to go cool. i lived i didn't live in london i was i was i grew up in uh east molesley you was a dancer did you say yeah yeah and i used to go yes, up to covent garden to dance what type of dance don't uh, don't brush over that what type of dance jazz funk at the no, time jazz funk i was in, i was just a bit i was into jazz funk but that was like when I was at school, you know what I mean? It was just a bit too early. But um, mainly electro hip hop. And I was a break dancing in that. Yeah, yeah, a bit of popping. Yeah, and, you know what I mean? And I, yeah, I still pop. I still love it. Because I think I we're the same age, aren't we? You were exactly the same age, you remember? Quite yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I know the exact period you're talking about, mate. So, um, yeah, so. And yeah, I used to go to Dance Works, which was in Covent Garden, um, and go and dance. This guy teaching me to pop and um, a bit breaking. I wasn't really a break dancer. I was more of a robot. You know, I can do that. <laughs> well, that's quite posh, though, isn't it? Going to a dance studio. Where they're learning it in the streets on bits of cardboard and that. You're in some dance uh, well, studio. I was say, but posh I... Boy. I <laughs> I, you know, I don't even remember how. I think I used to go to Covent Garden because people used to go to Covent Garden pop. Yeah, know, yeah, for like, sure. It was a rich, it was a rich bit of talent around there, wasn't it? Yeah, some wicked. Well, you know, some wicked people, some wicked the some the crews that are up there. You know, some of the best sure. jobs. And that whole time when people there. would be, you know, popping and break darts and all that stuff in Covent Garden. I mean, that really introduced a lot of Londoners and a lot of tourists to break darts and pop in. Yeah, 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 exactly. Uh, do you, have you heard of popping pee? No, I can't say. You know, like some things, I'm, my memory is really good. I, I, you know, I, so I pop, often tell pop. people I've got a photographic memory, but there are just some <laughs> things that are just faded. Okay, I'll give and you the, the names. I'll give, yeah. I'll give you the photograph. He was in. Um, I guess it's that criminal, criminal in, training <laughs> well, conditioning. You know, you just you just tended to forget names. Like you know, only the face was important. I I, I don't know. You know, but he names in, are not great he, for me. He's 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 in breakdance. Right, you yeah, know, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah I've seen the films. He's the one with the Pink Floyd. I think he's got Pink Floyd hat on or T-shirt. Yeah, he's a London. He was a Londoner who went to America and made that film. And he used to pop. Cool. On, yeah, um, he, he's a wicked dancer. So um, I think I met this guy. So they, Paul. so those guys, they were your inspiration. Well, they're the guys I was dancing with. Oh, okay, okay. So of course. <laughs> so right, you know this high level guy, boy going out and like you know dancing in a proper dance studio i mean i was in um i did go to dance classes that's like lying disco dancing because that's like that time you know malibu disco uh, disco dance do you remember that the disco competition did you ever go for that i think i may actually i might just <laughs> may just on the fringes of my memory yeah a long time you know it was back then in the days malibu 
was a so dream. Well, you you remember that man? So when you so when you was doing all this dancing, was you was the aim to become a professional dancer? No, I was just doing it to enjoy it. The street, the street moves. Yeah, yeah. So tell us a little bit about it, yeah? So you go into the dark studio, yeah? You're learning how to pop and... Because it wasn't wasn't really breaking because there was different stages, wasn't there? So you really, at this stage, you're learning how to pop and stuff, yeah? Yeah, it started off with a robot. I could do robot. Yeah, robot robot and popping and... And then then I'm curious, yeah? So then, what, you go out and do it in the streets later? You practice it in the streets? Are you boys? Did you have a crew? Not around my way, No. No, not around my, my crew. Way. Not around my, no, no one, around my way, no one was into it. It was a, just a real... I where was you from? Tell us where you were from. So I was from Surrey, from East Molesey, you know, and I, I was just ahead of the game so far. Yeah, how did you I, get to... So how did you get to hear about it all? So the Break music, dancing, pop in. Just the music. You know. I saw... Yeah. I think I saw Wildstyle, the movie, really yeah. early on. And I've got the record, I think. I've got the record. And I just love that, you know, the... The, the scratching and um, the crews um, and I just yeah and then I don't know I was just you know when you're young and I was going record shopping record I mean the record shopping was like social media back then do you know what I mean you go to the record shop and you'd be flicking through you know looking at records and you'd get them to put it on and then you know some shop would start talking to you because they were like wow man so would you tune you you know what I mean in fact, it's how I got into um, Soul Incorporated was through a tune, through a house tune, Chippy like this, right? And, yeah, yeah, uh, Chippy. Chicago. Yeah. Chicago, yeah. Well, so we used, so they used, the imports used to come into the shop and then they go in a separate box. And then, uh, you, you know, you go in, you look through the box and you pull them and then they play them. Yeah, you could, can you play these tunes? So um, that Chip E tune was playing and um, Beefy from Soul Inc. was like, well, what's this tune? What's this tune? <laughs> Beefy was like, yeah, what's this tune? What's this tune, Steve? Uh, uh, Steve, Steve rung uh, Beggar's Banquet in Kingston, record shop. Uh, yeah, Dave famous Jarvis. record shop. Yeah, Dave Jarvis worked there from Faith. Yeah. yeah. And, um, and I DJed with Dave as well, uh, Dave and Danny, the Grand Groove Brothers. Um, so. you know, it was a light, right? So it was a scene that sort of grew from the record shops, like, oh, it's like chippy, you know, like this. And, and Steve's like, there's only one copy, though, you know, and he's, it's in his pot, it's in Roger's pile. <laughs> and Beef was like, Beefy was a big geezer, that's why he's called Beefy, he's like a world heavyweight, uh, arm wrestling champion, still good friend of mine. <laughs> Massive muscles, and uh, he's like, yeah, man, what are you saying? What are you saying? And I was like, um, he's like, I'm a DJ, I'm, you know, I want to play it out tonight. I was like, I'm a DJ too, I want to play it. <laughs> and he was like, and we got talking, and he was like, yeah, come come down, man, play, come down, play a set. So I went down, um, this is Soul Incorporated, this is like 86, 87. And um, yeah, and I remember it was a party in Battersea, like a house party sort of thing in a flat. And uh, I remember watching him, he had this big, bag plastic bag uh, like a dustbin bag full of cables and it didn't they had no connectors on them and he was just and he went through it and none of them were more than three foot long he went through and twiddled them all together i was just like whoa so my dad was an electrician so i 
kind of I, I started I was um, rewiring houses with my dad when I was like 13 so you know I had that I got a lot of uh, what's the name to inherited a lot of uh, skill technical skill from my dad I was like you heard of um, like XLRs he's like XLRs what's that sort of thing I was like alright all right, don't worry I'll bring some next time you know what I mean so, I took uh, a soldering iron down and, <laughs> and a cable uh, and some ends and just soldered them up. And they were just like, and they were quite amazed. They were like, wow, man, wow. And then, uh, yeah, so I joined, I joined them. guy. Them. Yeah. Who else was in, in also in uh, Soul Link was Rod, Roger Dodge, another Roger. Yeah. I know Roger Dodge. Yeah. Dodge City, Dodge, no, no, uh, Finn Guy, oh. Dodge City Productions. You, I'm not sure. We had a, we used proper, to have a Roger, Roger the Dodger, used to DJ, our uh, black guy, obviously, yeah? He was, yeah, black guy, definitely. Yeah, he used um, to play at Genesis. Wandsworth. He might have done. I, you know, I, I lost contact with him. I lost contact with him about AEA, and I reconnected with some of them. But Dodge is out in America now. But he was Dodge City Productions, which um, they had a tune out, which went big, got into the charts. Okay. Um, who else was there? Tony T, uh, Tony Time, um, Michael, and uh, I can't remember who else. I'm sure there's yeah. another couple. But, so this um, is the so this is the early days of where you're forming this sound system, yeah. Yeah, yeah. This is actually that is after Catch Twenty Two. So yeah, before that we Catch Twenty Two with George Kelly. You know that was. So that you've was, done that, but now you're doing this new new sound system you mentioned. Yeah. Although the Catch-22 is, like, really important because we did so many parties uh, up and around, like Tottenham, Wood Green, um, where else? Barnet, um, Barnet um, Palmer's Green. We did, like, I was trying to work out how many parties we did. They just, it's a bit of a blur, but I do remember certain things from certain parties, like at one party, I'd hired a Speakers, some speakers from this disco place over in Witten called Abracadabra. And one of the top boxes got nicked. Right? And I was like, oh, no, you know, it's going to cost me a fortune. And I think it cost me 20 quid. And I was just like, oh, all right, okay. <laughs> Not such a big grief, but you know what I mean? But yeah, can you believe that? Someone actually came into the party. It was Ram, though. This party was Ram. Nicked the speaker. You know, they just walked out the door with it. Like, yeah, I definitely believe that. Madness, man. Just, I was just like. So, what type of venues were you playing at? So, these were mainly houses. Um, so, like the first Catch 22 house, well, house party we did was one of our mate, one of George's mates was moving. Yeah, his family were moving. So, um, we went and did that. We just sort of piled in after they moved out. <laughs> this party and it was quite mad in the morning the guy who bought the house turned up and like yeah and he opened the door and like we were sort of like this is like seven o'clock in the morning so we're all like whoa he sold the house you know what i mean so he's about he ain't told his other dad he was gonna have this party <laughs> it was just like what i was like wow okay. Uh, anyway, the geezer come in and it was a mess. I've got to say, it was a bit of a mess. And he was a bit, and the geezer was like, that's all right, don't worry, boys, we're going to redecorate. It's just like, oh, result. Yeah, and he stayed for about half an hour and then went. 
So how did you initially come to hear about Acid House and where was the first place that you ever went to? Okay, so what, what happened was I was at Café de Paris on a Wednesday night and there was a guy there, Michael, uh, who, who like sharply dressed geezer with a cane cheese cutter out on and he said to me, uh, you're, you're a DJ. I was like, and I looked at him, I was like, I was on my own because I used to rave a lot on my own because, you know, I still haven't found anybody to rave with from back in my, my ends, if you know what I mean. And uh, I was like, yeah. And he said, yeah, yeah, yeah. Catch 22, I seem to play, play house parties. And I was like, okay, <laughs> yeah. He's like, oh, I've got a gig. Do you want to come and play? I was like, okay. You know, where is it? He goes, it's uh, Clink Street. Um, okay, fine. And so I had to do this gig. Um, and I got there and uh, got there early. You know, being keen, all that sort of thing. There wasn't any equipment set up. This, this, so this, this gig was at Clink Street. It was at Clink Street was a rehearsal studio for bands, yeah. Okay. And um, so they had equipment there already, sort of thing. But the, what the, is the, this? This is um, this is '88, right? And I've got the date because I, of it. I know it was around. It was June, and I've got a feeling it might have been. June, uh, early June. So um, we're there, we're waiting, and the, the, the studio manager comes around, Norris, his name is. And I was like, oh, who's going to set the equipment up? You know, it was just like a pile in the corner. This is before, you know, it wasn't my equipment, you know. I, you know, usually you go somewhere, it'd be set up, if you know what I mean, you know. So um, he goes, oh, uh, our engineer's gone home, you know, can you do it? So I was like, okay, you know, have a go, sort of thing. So uh, I set the equipment up, and I think it got to about 9, 10 o'clock. And uh, I was like, well, what's going on, Michael? You know, where's this geezer? Larry, his name was, who went for this geezer, Larry. And he goes, yeah, it'd be here, it'd be here, it'd be here. Be, be. I was like, and he got to uh, 11 o'clock, still no Larry. Got to 12 o'clock, <laughs> no Larry. I was like, what? Yeah, what's all this about? I mean, we're playing records by, you know, we're playing records. We're having a, a laugh sort of thing. And uh, I take my decks, I think. And um, and then, I t- I, you know what, I'm going to go, I think I'm going to go and just have a chill out of my car sort of thing. So I opened the door to go down the stairs and a big queue down the stairs. So I was like, come on, Michael, let's open the door, you know, let's take some money. He, he's like, no, no, we've got, to wait, we've got to wait for Larry. It's like, ah. So anyway, waiting for Larry, he turned up about two o'clock, yeah? And wow. then I find out this party is called Afters, right? Now, this is in a time when, you know, clubs finished at two o'clock, yeah? They, they, they didn't go all night, yeah? So, which, okay, that's why it's called Afters. But, he, he, like, Michael never told me that. I found that out further in the future. So uh, then the part, you know, part, the, the open doors, place fill up. We have a, you know, it's a good party, and uh, this is the first time I've ever heard of acid as well. So, um, so there's another DJ there, plug it right, and he plays uh, "Shout" by Jack Frost and the Circle Jerks. Yeah, and I'm just like, whoa, what's that, man? Straight in there, I'm gonna get this album straight away. So it comes to the end of the night, and. Um, and like, so, you know, so may I ask you, right? So during the course of this night, they're playing like Acid House and House, are they? Yeah, House, House mainly, 
you know it would you know and so was that kind of a new concept to you having coming from that hip-hop you know jazz funk rare groove kind of field electro uh, i was playing i was playing house i was playing house in 87 or catch 22 um and so link oh like no way back is another okay Another one, uh, Donis. Donis, yeah, yeah, yeah. And you know this brutal, this brutal house, Nitro mm. Deluxe, big track. Um, yeah, Wicked Tune, My Fun by Ray. I had all those, all on import. You know, I was, I was, I love that sound. I was just as soon as I heard it, I was banging into it. Um, and then, um, yeah. So, I mean, I could. Yeah. So, I mean, I love going back through my because because I. Because like, we're just going to record shop like two, three times a week, you know, just scanning to find, you know, the tunes and find things that people didn't have. You know, we come from the rare groove days. So, you know, things like Dexter Walsall, Life on Mars, Fred Wesley, Blow Your Head, you know, the, the, these tunes were not like, you know, and back then at that time, the the whole whole sort of entertainment industry was controlled by the majors, you know, and the club. Sure. The club. Well, there, there was a playlist, you know, yeah. you, to DJ back then. You had to play the playlist. If you didn't play the playlist, they didn't, you know, you weren't employed. Yeah, I mean, obviously, we're talking about commercial networks. We're not talking about pirates. So there was this DJ plug it, and he was playing. Um, a track off this album. Uh, the the song he was playing was I think he played the whole album actually. But um, "Shout" by Jack Frost and Circle Jerks is the one that, that I remember, um, and, it, and it's iconic. It's an iconic tune. And actually, I read the other day that you know "Acid Man" by um, Eddie Evil Richards or "Acid Man" by Acid Man, uh, Jolly Roger, is actually that tune extended and he extended it and then cut a dub of it and then someone heard it and said i want to put it out so that's where that's that and that's, cool. it's the same tune it's just an extended version of shout by jack frost and the circle jerks and that was the track that you heard that night at clink street and that was your first acid house track yeah 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 definitely wow <laughs> definitely and it yeah. must have been a, a, quite a surprise because obviously acid house because house music was obviously you know quite gentle so and quite it was so different on it what was it, it was mellow what, what was your first acid tune mine personally yeah I, I think i remember um the earliest time and it was probably that when i actually took notice it was actually a cd and it was around um i mentioned gary harvey and a couple of my pals who actually took me to Candon palace and it was with those boys and, and i think it was like Around that genre, it was Salsa House, Richie Rich. Rich. That's house, yeah. It's a big tune. I, it's not yeah. a personal favourite. <laughs> yeah, that's what kind of brought me Rich, around. Richie Rich, um, yeah, he, he did the mix of the Jungle Brothers as well. You know, I'll help you. Um, oh, the good mix. Yeah, well, he, that, I shouldn't he, say that. I mean, they're all good it mixes. It was his mix but... that broke it. Broke, I think, broke yeah. that tune. Do you know what I mean? I think, you know, Jungle Brothers have got a lot to, uh, to thank him for. So, okay, they, at the end of the night, that party was afters at Clint Street, yeah? And it was, just just as a point of reference, it was a couple of weeks after um, Wacky Races, which was, a, which was another early Acid House party that I didn't go to, but I had heard of back in the day. 
Um, and so at the end of the night, you know, um, so I don't really know this Michael, yeah, and I don't know the rest of the guys. I'm sort of there on my own, really, you know what I mean? I'm, so uh, this guy comes up. He's quite smartly well-dressed dressed guy. And uh, Michael tells me, this is Chris. Right. And I'm looking at him and he's like, oh, sorry, lads, you know, it hasn't been that good a night, you know, you know, sort of, I haven't got any money for you. And, uh, <laughs> and he had this big watch in his pocket, right? And I, and I just wasn't having it. I, sort of, I just looked at him and went, well, what's that in your pocket then? You know, we've got to do, pick you up and shake it out of you sort of thing. So he took me over to the, um, took me over to the side Give me like hundred quid. Said, uh, "I'll, you know, I'll sort you out in a week. You know, I'll, I'll, I'll let Michael know." So, uh, yeah, I was fair enough. You know, got hundred quid. I was quite happy, sort of thing. Anyway, I get a call in from Michael in the week, and he says, uh, "Yeah, Chris wants you to come down the wag, play a set." I was like, "Hey, all right, yeah, no worries." <laughs> I was like, I love thinking, what? What's this? And then, like... And by Chris, you mean Chris Sullivan, yeah? I mean Chris Sullivan. I, I just didn't yeah. know, you know. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I used to go to the WAG, but I didn't... I didn't, I suppose it's at that time you didn't... I wasn't really taking notice of who was who or what he was doing or what I hadn't really got clocked on. Yeah, Chris he, Sullivan owned the WAG club for many, many years. So <laughs> yeah. He's well famous. Yeah, yeah, he's a nice guy. I'll give him. I'll give him that. I was a bit rough at first, and probably you know. What he, I mean? he came. He came to a Genesis party. Yeah, he. Uh, so he said. So I play. I play like you know, sort of semi-standard set for me. You know, things like Dexter Walks, All Life on Mars, a bit of James Brown, a bit of House. You know, I I did rocking. The place was rocking. So then uh, Michael comes up to me at the end. Gives me some money, yeah. And then he says, uh, yeah, Chris don't really like what you play. <laughs> and that, I was like, yeah, fair enough. And, you know, well, right, whatever. You know, the, having that sort of teenage attitude, so I just bowled out there. So the next night I go there, yeah, because it's it's love, yeah. Dave Durrell. Love the wag. Very yeah. famous night. Dave, Dave Durrell and Fat Tony. So I get to the door and, like, I've been going to the wag. It wasn't, like, a place that I, you know, I used to go there and dance. And uh, I get to the door and Winston, the bouncer, says to me, uh, no, mate, sorry, not tonight. I was like, what? I was like, DJ here last night. He's like, no, you've got to come in. It's a different night, mate. And then, in fact, Tony bails down the stairs and, like, you know, I was a face. I was clubbing a lot back then. So, you know, you knew everybody. It was very... But all interlinked. Back down, he's like, "What are you doing there? Are you coming in?" Because he says, "I can't come in." And in fact, I just finished up the road with a velvet rope and just come in. <laughs> so I pass, I pass, um, I pass Chris at the top of the stairs, uh, and then I never really thought about it until the other day. But obviously, you know, what I mean, it was a cut, sort of a, a semi bash. Anyway. At the end, <laughs> at the end of the party at Clink Street, the studio manager Norris comes up to me and says, hey, "Do you want a job? You know, uh, working in rehearsal studios." And I was like, "Yeah, okay, yeah, I'm I'm back there in the next week 
working at a rehearsal studios, you know, setting up the... So Clink Street was a rehearsal studio for bands. There were like people like Misha Paris was in there rehearsing. And um, so, so uh, you, you go in and set up the equipment, you know, you guitar amps and microphones and all that sort of thing. So I was there for about a month doing that. And like, it wasn't every day, it was on and off. I was working at a video shop at the same time as well. Um, so uh, I goes in on a Sunday and like, I, I heard, you know, I knew there was parties going on there. The rip parties were going on. So I, I said to the owner, Ray, you know, is it all right if I come down? And he's like, yeah, yeah, come down. They kick knife for us, mate. You know, I was like, yeah, no worries. So I went, I started going to Clink Street parties. And Clink Street was... Rip. So you yeah, started going rip. to Rip, basically. I started going to Rip Very parties. famous outfit. Yeah, very, very. Um, and uh, so I started so Rip going at Clink Street. It was really hard to get in there. The, the, it wasn't a place you could just bowl up. You had to know someone. So, But because I was working there, you know, they couldn't say no. They were like, yeah, all right, mate. You can go. <laughs> so I think... Anyway, I, I was only a couple of weeks, and then I went in on the Sunday to work, and there was another guy who owned Clink Street whose name was Richard, and in in <laughs> they had a party on the Saturday night, and they used the the ground floor and the third floor at Clink Street, yeah, and the stairs just had all this rubbish down them, and uh, like Richard's like, oh, you've got to clean the rubbish up on the stairs, so I was like. Uh, no way, mate. That ain't in my, you know, well, you're going to give me some extra bundles, bunts, you know what I mean? He's like, no, it's in your job description. I was like, yeah, in my job description. I was like, no, you can, you know. And he was like, uh, and I walked out. And I, walked, <laughs> I just walked out. I was just like, no, no, not do that. Like, so I went back up there in the week because the main guy who owned it, Ray, he was a proper geezer. I really liked him. So I sort of went up and I was like, yeah, listen, I need to apologise. You know, I'm sorry. You know, it's a bit out of order telling him to, you know, get on his way sort of thing. Ray was like, oh, no, mate, no, 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 no worries. He's going to you know what? I would have done exactly the same thing. <laughs> Do you want your job back? I was like, no, nah, not really. But I saw Norris. So, um, and at this time, I started DJing a little bit before that with this geezer, Stacey, uh, in my own crew. Uh, Stacey Tough. And he was working at the the shop where I used to get all the equipment from, Abacadabra. And so, we, so I said to Norris, listen, if Paul wants any lighting for his parties, because it was really dark in there at that time, right? There was no lights. I said, I can sort him out, you know what I mean? So, okay, next week, in the week, a couple of days later, Paul rings up. Oh, you do lighting. Do you want to come down and do some lighting? Then? That was it. I was at Clean Street doing the Ooh. lighting. Excellent. So you was at Clink Street doing the lighting for Rip, R.I.P. Yeah. Was it Raving yeah. Peace or what was it? Yeah, right. Well, I don't know. Raving yeah, Peace. it's different, different yeah, versions. What's your version? Oh, Raving Peace, I think. I don't know, because he, he never... Yeah, no one like Transmission in yeah, Peace or did, something. Yeah, he did loads. Uh, yeah. Zoo. So, I mean, it, it, went on for quite, it went on for quite a while, Um and then there was a point where we were doing Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, and coming out on Sunday on the Monday morning, right? Like, and I'd never like because I'd never worked in the city or been up in the city in the daytime, you know. So I didn't really know what it was like. But you come out there on a Monday morning, and there's just suits flying past you with briefcases. <laughs> You're just like, what? <laughs> What's That's going on, man? Dude. 
Like, this is like madness. That is nuts. <laughs> yeah, because it's very busy around there. It's in it's in the middle of the city. And Clink Street was a former prison or something, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's right by London Bridge yeah. Station, isn't it? And, and yeah. like, it's cut through for all those all those city bods. And I, I just, it was just madness. It's like something out of a video, you know, when you see, I don't know if you've ever seen, like, you know, where they all, where they all walk across London Bridge as well, like all the suits with their briefcases, like, yeah. Yeah, yeah, sure, sure. I know exactly, I know exactly <laughs> what you mean. And but I'm just thinking, though, the Clink Street, it's, it's near London Bridge. And Borough Market Street. as well, right by yeah. Borough Market, right at right at the end. And of at Borough. what point was it a prison? Would that, so would that have been Jack the Ripper days? Fifteenth century, yeah, yeah, fifteenth century or something like that. Fifteenth so century, something like that. Yeah, it goes. Wow. It was the first, I think it was the first debtors' prison on the south side of the river. The first I, debtors' prison. Yeah. So if you can, oh. if you didn't have any money, that's where you went. So <laughs> I only know this because when when they because it got raided, yeah, and it got closed down, and then they decided to turn it into a museum, and they turned it into you know a, the the Clink Street Prison Museum, and I I actually did the sound effects for the oh, wow. for the museum, so they got like a speaker, oh, very cool, like screams and all you know like bbc horror sound effects and all that lot i remember oh, man, race man. i remember ray saying to me because i said yeah i, I saw you sort it out he was like yeah and I, when i did it the guy from the london dungeons said oh man can you come do stuff you know what i mean i was like yeah of course, of course. wow and, uh, dude that's amazing dude so yeah. so okay. so let's just go back right so clink street so uh r.i.p so how long did it go on for I was trying to work this out. I was looking for when it got raided. It, so it was, a, a year, it was, six months, it was six three months. months. It's maybe more. I don't know because it, 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 it's very vague in my memory. Like you know, you were saying about you know, <laughs> you long term memory, short term memory. <laughs> you don't write. Well, you don't write things down. You know, the dates sort of. You know, they just yeah. But um, I, it was definitely. I'm trying to think what time of year it got raided. I was there the night it got raided. Uh, it okay. was quite funny because... We'll talk about the raid, but I'm just curious, you know, how long they were there. I mean, I'm sure we can find out. You know? I think I think it must... It, it, six months, maybe, in total. And I think it started in June, 88. Yeah? And went to... And it must have got... It must have, I can't remember if it was finished by... It's finished by Christmas. I think it was. Uh, it wasn't finished by Christmas. Wait, you went to you went to one in Benwell Road, didn't you? For real? I went to one. Yeah. Can you I think I, no, I went to Clink Street. You went to Clink Street as well. But... Uh, yeah. No, I went to Clink Street. But my my thing about the Clink Street was that you know growing up, I've been to loads of with sound systems as well. I've been to loads of shabines. I've been to loads of like dances, and a lot of them were in basements a lot of blues parties and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. And they were all in basements and stuff and with these low ceilings and things like that. And I'd seen quite a lot of trouble in them, you know? So oh. I kind of avoided those small contained spaces. That was my conditioning at that point. And that's why with Genesis, I wanted to do massive parties, wide open spaces and Where stuff, else? you know? Yeah, so yeah. I, only went, I only went once. And I, I tell you what happened, actually, the, the girl I was with, I was with this beautiful model chick uh very shapely and and i remember it was so packed that at one point she turned around to me and said 
you know, did you just, you know, just grab hold of grab hold of me? <laughs> I was like, no. <laughs> so I was yeah. like, right, that's it. We're leaving, <laughs> and we left. And I thought, uh, probably not a great idea to bring her there, but and I didn't go back. But yeah, though, I didn't really like it. It was too 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 tight for me. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Paul Paul used to make used to used to get me to smoke it up every like like 20 minutes he used to like give me the money for like a crate of smoke goose i used to have this portable smoke machine mini mist yeah and i just used to walk around like smoking the whole place up and i spoke to so many people who went with one person like sort of hung out with another person and then went home with a completely different person at the end of the night <laughs> sure mate that was one of the things wasn't it those smoke machines because again that was a new experience for us all as well wasn't it yeah, smoke yeah. machines i don't know about yourself but i'd never seen a smoke machine used anywhere before before that before no, you know we, before they, acid hours certainly not in a way disco days but they weren't no but but you know yeah okay you used to I use them in the disco days yeah 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 we used to have smoke machine but it, okay. they're expensive okay. so you wouldn't use it very often do you yeah. know what I mean? <laughs> like but you know, to so to cane a whole crate of smoke juice, you know, in a night, you know, like I don't know, it was eighty quid maybe back then. You know what I mean? Oh. I was like, Paul, you sure? And he's like, Yeah, yeah, here you go, some money. <laughs> I was like, You know, like, fair enough. <laughs> to, to keep it. And every time I saw him, he'd go more smoke, more smoke. <laughs> and you know, in terms of history you know clink street you know rip paul stone and his crew there i mean they're, they're oh, a part mr. of the history obviously mr c kid bachelor eddie yeah. evil richards um colin favor uh shot, are all... shot sound system ashley beetle um yeah roots emix on the mic emix oh man such a wicked MC, more than an MC. He's not an MC. He's more. Man. I think we got some footage. Didn't you send me a um? Yeah. The send jungle, me a video, didn't you? Yeah, the Jungle Brothers. And so I, I, I wasn't the only one doing lighting there as well. So there was this guy let's, Mark. Let's share. Let's Mark, have a look Mark, at this video. Mark Easton, who was doing films as well. Yeah. Now so, I can't uh, play the sound. Yeah, so I'll turn the sound down, but. But you can you could talk us through some of this. So I'm playing the video right now of Clint so Street. The guy, the guy there on the left with the super super nature T-shirt on is Mr. C. There you go. <laughs> That's Tina, one of my friends. Back in back in the day, there's one of the Jungle Brothers. Yeah, there you go, and you'll see a shot of the decks in a minute. So they they're performing our our house shoe. Oh, so um, this is the Jungle Brothers performing our house shoe at Clint Street. Am I right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yep, yeah. And I, I brought in some extra lighting on this particular night, so you can see it occasionally. <laughs> so it's you, your, so your part in all of this is that you did the lighting. Yeah, I was doing the lighting um, at Clink Street. Uh, and my friend Mark, who filmed this, he, um, he, he used to do film loops. He used to do uh, like eight millimeter film loops. I wish I had some foot. I should have some footage of him, his bits and pieces. I don't know. Yeah, that was his girlfriend there, actually, Janine. That's um, um, Rebecca. That was Mr. C's girlfriend. There's Mr. C on the right. There's one of the Jungle Brothers. I, uh, I don't know their names. <laughs> and so I should say that we've been given permission to use this video as well, haven't we? Yeah, we've got permission. Uh, Mark, who filmed it, has given us permission to, to uh, from Pixink, 
has given us permission to use it. And I actually did the sound on this video on the on the on the edit because it is available as a you know you can buy it as a DVD. I don't know if he's still got it up actually. I don't know if he's taking it down. But he, so this the whole film was shot over like three days. There's a story behind wow. that because at the end, on the last day, the camera got nicked. And I was actually hiring the camera from no way, dude. From Abercadabra. And I don't know, Paul flipped his lid at Mark. They had a big, you know, and um, yeah, that was, you know, so there is, there must be a tape, there's a tape out there that, you know, there's a tape of Clink Street that's never been seen. No way. It's probably <laughs> taped over it, mate. Oh, well, maybe. You never know, do you? Do you well, know you what I mean? What, 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 you know, it's like, Maybe one day in the future, some kid will find it and look at it and go, oh, what's this rave? You know, maybe, maybe they, they might go, oh, oh, Yeah, the hidden tape, you know, someone will find it in a loft somewhere. The lost like, tape, yeah. Hidden tape. Yeah, the lost it's, tapes of um, Clink Street. Pick Sink, big shout out to Mark. Uh, I met him at Clink Street, him and his, um, his wife, Janine, and we've been firm friends ever since. He, uh, we've done a lot together over the years um, from meeting at Pink Street. He's a filmmaker. He made, he's made a couple of um, animations. He got bang into animation. I did a bit of animation as well. Um, but I, me and him worked together on quite a few tracks. Uh, I was by a toxic corporation back in them days. And he did a thing called M25 and Planet Orange, which I think, I think they're available. I think he's put them up. You know, you can go and buy them. Proper old like '90s graphics, um, rave graphics. Yeah, I, yeah. I, cool. So let yeah. me ask you. Um, so it got Clink Street got raided. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So I was there the night it got raided. It was quite amusing. <laughs> what was it amusing? So, like from the parties I've been involved in, you know, the police. You know, you you get a sense when they're around and. Um, I think I was chilling out in my in my mini because uh, I I back then I didn't take I wasn't into taking drugs so I was a straighted sort of thing and so you've uh, done a lot of sleeping <laughs> a lot of dodos sort of semi meditation I suppose in a way you know what I mean you sort of you know tingly you mouth chill out you know what I mean like, <laughs> you know so I so I've been outside and I saw I saw. A, I went round, I went up to get a drink or something. I went for a walk to get away for a little bit. All around the corner, there's uh, six riot bands lined up. And I was like, well, here we go. You know what I mean? So I went back to the door and I said to like the main guy, Clifton, like six six police vans around the corner. And he looked at me, he goes, Are you joking? And I go, Why would I joke for a start? <laughs> I goes, you don't believe me, go and have a look yourself. <laughs> anyway, so, so I saw him go up and have a look. And yeah, there was six there. So we so we kind of knew it was gonna happen and you're gonna get raided. So and um I was chilling out in my car when they raided, right? And uh, this is a great story. So they they've gone in, they're raiding it, all right? And uh I don't know, they've gone in and like all the people coming out and I was like, oh. and I was sitting in the car and they're like, Yeah, you need to go. And I was like, oh, I'm working here. I've got, you know, a lot of equipment here. It's my lighting. It's like, you know, and they were like, okay, you can wait sort of thing. And <laughs> the police officer goes, where's your tax? Like on my car. I was like, oh. And uh, I, I didn't have tax. It'd be a bit, 
I've, I've taken it out because it was out of date and it was on the floor. So I just picked it up. Different charge. Picks it up, licks it, stuck it back in the window. My mate was sitting in the car with me. He just looked at me because he saw it was like not in date. And the police would just looked and he didn't and he didn't suss it. He just was like, <laughs> just like shaking his head at me, like yeah, you know that was oh, it was a move. Uh, so yeah, and it, and then once they raided it, and Paul's brother got got nicked and got charged for selling alcohol, I think, and Mark. Rest in peace, Mark, because he died a few years ago, unfortunately. He's a lovely geezer. Sure. Um, and, so, and so then, so Creek Street's being raided, you're out there, you need to get your gear. Yeah, they eventually let us back in, you know, once they'd secured the premises or whatever. Um, yeah, just went and took the stuff down. But it's slightly early night. I think they didn't raid it till like six o'clock in the morning. So we or six or five or six we used to go to like eight o'clock a clink yeah it was some some nights it all depended i i think you know depending what mood paul was in if he was in a good mood it might go <laughs> or it depended who was djing actually i noticed that like some of my favorite colin favor was one of my favorite djs eddie evil richards um yeah mr c yeah always a pleaser like i like to see he plays deep sometimes he plays deep. <laughs> he plays some wicked acid. You've sent me a folder with lots of photographs in them. Should we, should we go through some of these photos? And yeah. you've got some really great shots that I'm sure lots of people would love to see. So let me go through some photos and then you can kind of give us an idea of like what was going on and stuff. Okay, here we go. Right, so I mean, there's some historic events here, like obviously Apocalypse Now. Yes. So uh, Apocalypse Now, at this time, I was um, I was just raving and um, I'd met, I played on a, I played on a pirate radio station, Touch FM, back in the day. Uh, I'm trying to think what year it was. But, and I met, must have been like 87, I suppose. I met Tamsin and, uh, and we just started hanging out together and raving together. So Tams is actually in that. So on the on the right on the right there, do you wanna yeah. On the right, that that's Tamsin. So yeah, on the on the bottom right hand corner, that's Tamsin. And I think the the guy I think he's operating the light, and I think that might be Jazzy M. No, the guy in the Apocalypse Now t-shirt at the front. And then the guy right at the back by the Apocalypse Now poster is uh, Gary Hasselman. You know, from they call it acid. Yeah, R.I.P. Yeah, R.I.P. as well. Yeah. Yeah. So, so apocalypse now. So, how'd you come about apocalypse now? So, Tamsin uh, had heard that it's said there's a rave in Wembley. You know, let's go, and that was it. She and Excellent. she she blagged the guest list. Uh, Tamsin was Tamsin knew quite a few people. You know, back back in the day. Yeah, and uh, sure. And so there's Lisa Loud on the decks. I should say to people that are listening, Lisa Loud, Lisa Loud on the decks with Gary behind her. I'd love to know who that guy at the bottom of the picture is. Let, we should actually talk about Gary a bit because Gary, this gentleman here, yeah, he basically created. He, he didn't create the acid house chant, but he was certainly one that created the styling for it. 
so that track was it they call it acid was it they called yeah. they, they called it acid D-mob. yeah by dmob yeah uh, Danny, Ga- gary Danny, he, he was the chap he was know, quite made that chant. Acid, didn't it yeah yeah and i think he recently passed so he passed yeah, yeah. he was a slough boy he, he's part of farley's crew you know terry farley sure his own he was part of the boys own crew yeah uh, I think I don't, you know, I do, I don't know. And then in this picture, we've got famous Lisa Loud. She was Lisa playing Loud, at Spectrum yeah. and Future. And... Lisa Loud and Nancy Noise. Uh, and I met those, I met them at uh, Spectrum, uh, Lisa Loud and Nancy Noise back in the day. So um, the, oh, I love this picture. I don't, <laughs> okay, I've got clear it. I love these wearing. So this must be, this is, uh, what, what date did I put on here? I put, put date on 1988. This is 88. Yeah, September, is it September? September 88. And if you look, you can see he's got a pair of tracksuit bottoms on that say XTC. Okay. <laughs> mm-hmm. All right, so what else have we got in this uh, collection of flyers? What else do we have? confusion yeah Let's talk- bit of confusion did what did you do at confusion so so what so i clink street was where all like all my connections came from really and um and confusion what they were kid bachelor it was was the was the um resident resident dj, resident DJ. confusion was like afters for clink street um and you know, Kip actually DJed at Clink Street and Nikki Nikki came Nikki was raving at Clink Street. I remember inviting me saying we're doing party, give me a flyer. Nikki tracks. Nikki tracks. Um and uh and uh, yeah, yeah, I was just to go to, I used to go there on Sunday and chill out, really. Yes. I mean Sundays. Yeah, I mean Sundays were exclusively for confusion and Nikki tracks, Kip and all that lot. But what they had going on down there is like very soulful. It was very musical orientated. I have to say, I didn't go there many times. It and was, that was quite on a simply. slightly more eclectic house vibe. It wasn't there wasn't wasn't much acid there, if you know what I mean. I mean you might get occasional tr- acid track. Roots, sure. um, that next picture, he, he DJed there as well. Roots worked up in a record. He was a he was a Clink Street boy as well. He was a mate of Paul's, who was helping out at Clink Street, and uh, he was working a record shop up in uh, Archway Pure Groove Records. I uh, went up and bought some records there occasionally, every once in a while. Sure. And, and that on the left there, that's just a bit on in that Roots picture. That's just a bit of Norris's face. It was the. <laughs> You could just see. I wish, I wish I'd like pulled out that, a little man. bit, you know, got that feeling. Uh, and that's Tamsin. Um, cool. So what I was saying was uh, the confusion. Uh, Tony uh, took me down there one night. Tony, uh, Sunrise Tony. We we did a party and uh, he took me down there and I met Nikki, bless her. And for me, I, I thought it was a great night, but the only reason I didn't get to go as much as I would have like, liked to have is because I was so battered after doing the Genesis parties. I was absolutely battered. And by that time, I just, it, I just needed to go somewhere else. You know, it, we, it, we were either in hotels or we were out of a public environment because you're almost on show when, when you're as a promoter. 
you, you, you know, you're working, it's, it's a job, you know? So at the end of the job, it was like, okay, let's get away from the job, you know? So I didn't get to go to that many confusions and, you know, I'm looking back, I, I kind of really regretted it. And I was like you, you know, it was ca Cafe de Paris on a Wednesday, you know, and it, and it was all those chilled out nights, but confusion was definitely a historic night, pivotal night. It was a real, it was, I think it was a who's who of the rave scene as well. Do you know what I mean? It wasn't, it wasn't, you know, it was a. Uh, All of the early faces would be there. Yeah. Yeah. And, and like. But it wasn't pretentious though. It wasn't I, pretentious I was at all. I was reading yeah. the other day that like Tony Humphreys played there. I, I mean, I don't know where, you know, I wasn't. I didn't go every week. It was the same as you, you know, like when you're doing, when you're working, it kind of takes it out. Yeah, it's not, even though you're young, sometimes you just like, you don't feel like going. And, sure. Uh, and, and that's how, that's how I was by that time on, on a Sunday evening. You know, I, I was didn't want to move, didn't want to, <laughs> didn't want to go anywhere. I, I, that was those days because the build up, remembering that, it's not just about the one night, you know, we'd spend a week searching for warehouses, you know, we might find a warehouse the last minute, then we have to clean up the warehouses and then you have to hope that, you know, police don't find you. Then you got to hope that, you know, gangsters don't come and rob you. And, you know, <laughs> and then at the end of all of that, you know, you hope that, you know, I mean, there were never ever was any fights, but you know, it's still in the back of your head. Hope there's no fights. Hope there's no trouble. Hope no one has any, you know, overdoses or accidents you know anything like that so it's a massive stress and it's a massive worry and so once it's you know you kick everybody out of the building and you leave the building and you've still got your money because at the end of the day you still have to leave that illegal warehouse and once you get away it's almost like yeah that's it now i just there's a door on it <laughs> yeah i just i've had enough i need rest well not even rest because as i said you might end up in a five-star <laughs> hotel or something you know what i mean yeah, but, you're living it up you you live the life you know. so let's talk about some of more of these photographs because you were on the point that you're actually taking photographs man and some of these photographs i've seen them over the years and i never even knew they were your photographs but wow on the screen right now, we're showing some photographs from a Shum after party. This yeah. is in 1988. Tell us a little bit about this Shum after party. So, um, yeah, just a point on my on the photographs. I was, um, my dad was banging to photography and, you know, gave me a camera when I was like eight, I think, or something like that. And so, you know, I, I just, I just, yeah, I was, I was born to it, if you know what I mean. I loved it. And, um, that I shot on slide. These are slides, five minutes. I think it's slides for the quality, and because like that's what was getting you know if you wanted to get things into print, it had to be on slide back in the day. Sure. And I'm looking at this picture now. I mean, that looks like a digital image. Yeah, you know, that was quality high quality. So real, man, isn't it? You know what I mean? It's, yeah. You can't really beat high film. quality. You can't beat film. You, like digital cameras are getting there, though, aren't they? Like, you know. I, I, yeah. I, I want to get another camera. I used to carry a camera all the time with me. Yeah. And I used to have a like Canon A1 and a Sure Shot. And I I think this was probably shot on a Sure Shot, like a Canon Sure Shot, which is like a little compact camera. And then it broke and I didn't replace it. And that like it was a bit of a regret, you know what I mean? But this so this part here, I I I 
gone and done a free party down in Brighton, yeah, with my mates um, in 87, yeah. And that girl who was just in the picture, Beth, she, so we went down there, um, we were just going to do a beach party, you know, romantic idea, take a generator and some decks and just go and do a party. And we got down there and we'd done some flyers for it. And um, we got down there and uh, we couldn't find anywhere to set up apart from on top of this toilet on Madeira Drive. But looking back, it's an ideal place. Um, and uh, we, we, had a, we had it off because it was Brighton Festival that day. So everybody was out. My mates went out and flyered. I was setting up the sound system. This is before this, yeah. And, um, and we met Beth and got, had a good contact with Beth. And then through Beth, um, I, like, I started getting calls to come and, can you come and do a sound system down in Brighton. And, uh, you know, for, you know, a party. I was like, okay, yeah, no worries. This guy, Steve. So I did blow, I did three or four parties around Brighton, running in an old post office that, you know, was wrecked. It needed a generator. There's no power. You need to bring your own generator. And that nice. party, that's where I met Carl Cox. Because he, he lived in Brighton. And, like, I think he, wherever he'd been, he drove back. And then there was this party going on. And he's like, like, and then he started talking to me. And we ended up having, like, a good old conversation for an hour or so about equipment because he was a sound man as well back, back in the day, Carl. And then yeah, because that's because that that's, that's uh, another thing you should point out is that at that time Carl Cox he had his own sound system and he would hire it out to different party promoters and stuff. Yeah, we, he was hiring sound systems. He was hiring sound yeah. systems from a place in Brighton, and yeah, and then he he he, he wasn't so he was a he was a DJ because he was he was a big club dj back in uh like the 80s he was jazz funk and all that that's where he comes from so he, he's a little i think he's a little bit older than us not much but a little bit uh and uh so yeah and he asked me to come and um uh, engineer some of his sound system so i did and then so the the guy on the decks there uh the, the guy in the blue t-shirt can you see that that's me, by yeah. the way. Sorry. <laughs> this is Phoenix, right? So this is the guy who organised the party, the, the Shim after party. So Shim were doing uh, all day at Savannah, the Savannah Club in Brighton. And uh, Phoenix was like, oh, I want to do a party. And I met Phoenix at Clink Street when I was doing the lighting. Cool. And, and is this like an illegal warehouse or something? This is actually underneath, like, the pier, like, cool. on, on the beach. And a generator again. <laughs> so, this, is a picture, yeah. this is a picture. Can you see of the Roger? bins underneath? And this is me, Mr. South. And uh, I can tell you what the tune is uh, that I played there. That's Pump Up London, um, Mr. Lee. Do you remember that yep. tune? Of course. Wicked tune. And there's the acid album. Just, just tag me on. Just about it. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Chicago tracks. Yeah, 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 yeah. Excellent. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Mr. Lee. And, um, yeah, so uh, so so yeah, Phoenix was like, I can do us a sound system, and Jem uh, uh, was hanging out with Phoenix, uh, who, who, and we had a relationship for what, ten years, and she uh, she was a singer, uh, and and I was DJing and MCing at the time as well, so um, we you know we got together. 
started making a bit of music. All right. So, yeah. So uh, that is the Shum photos. And you you got so many great photos here. Thank you. I mean, confusion, energy, Clapham Common, Apocalypse Now. So I know you had something to do with the the energy parties. And up on screen right now, I've got the energy flyer and stuff. And so tell us a little bit about your, you know, what you did with the energy boys, because they've been on the podcast and we've spoken about this party. So it'd be interesting to get a perspective from someone else who did some of the production. So, so what um, do you remember about it? Yeah. So I met uh, Anton at Clink Street, uh, get on 180, was his uh, saying. Um, and he said, oh, "Get right on one, matey." Get right on one, matey. <laughs> and uh, he said uh, he was doing this party. You know, could I could I give him a hand with the sound and the lighting? Um, so I said, "Yeah, no, no worries." So went and looked at the Westway Film Studios. Went and you know saw the size of it, and uh, and, uh, and I suggested uh, a sound company, Entech. Um, from Shepparton Studios, which used to, they used to be the Who Sound Company back in the day. Wow. Um, I, and like I knew them boys because I'd been going over there trying to get a job. <laughs> and um, they, they were friendly guys, um, but, but, I, but I never got a job there. Anyway, um, so I pulled them in to do the sound and uh, I think Anton said to me, oh, can, can you, you know, can you take some pictures? Because he, see me with a camera and, and I was like yeah sure and uh, uh and um Daryl Daryl Hayden uh, from Abacadabra just got a video camera and I was like oh, can I borrow your video camera and he's like yeah you can hire it <laughs> so you give us some money so I hired his video camera so there's there is some footage there's quite a bit of footage from energy and there's a bit of it which was used in uh, Gordon's film they call it acid it's a bit in the trailer as well. Um, so I helped. So basically I went there on the day and helped set up and filmed the setting up. And, um, and yeah, and I was there. Pretty cool, yeah. dude. And that must be quite exciting because at the time they're building these sets. I think it was the first time anyone had gone to that length to it build mind, such sets. Mind-blowing for me, you know. I mean, I just yeah walked into that place because they've been building it during the week and just seeing it was just like, well, give me your experience of it, you know, walking into the, it was, I just, it was next level, wasn't it? So, so. It uh, was, it, it was an amazing event. The production was such, such high level. And, you know, Anton, he, he, he did such a good job and Tintin and, I mean, I, I know Jeremy's kind of focuses on the business end of things, but I, I think Tintin was mentioning that he worked, he, that uh, he brought in an artist. But I think when I spoke to Anton, Anton Ops. said that he yeah, was Ops. the one that brought the artist on board. Oh, right. Okay. So I mean, that's kind of what Anton said to me. But it, regardless of who brought, brought him on board, absolutely amazing production. Because Adamski played as well. And I think... I've, the Unit 4 pictures there, that Unit 4 boat party, that's what, I think that's where I met Damsky. I was trying to trying to wait out there. There's a Damsky at the top. With yeah, the, no, um, we'll, get to, we'll get to a Damsky, don't so worry. So Damsky played at that. Yeah, so a Damsky, I, I, you know, we've spoken to a Damsky on the podcast as well. A Damsky played. 
Hey, there he is. Adamski played at that event. Mate, it was such an awesome You know event. who else is in that picture? You know who else is in that picture? This chap here. That that's that the the that's uh, Jimmy Polo. The the guy at the front is um Adamski's manager, uh Phil. He used to run the Pretty Prince where um restaurant in Camden where Adamski like lived above it. Cool. I I I actually spoken about that as well in the podcast. So that yeah. was energy. Yeah. Again, it was such an amazing event. What's this? I know. Yeah, mate. I mean, that that they really, really set the tone from then on for, for large-scale events. The Clapham Common shots. And so this was Clapham Common after that energy party, wasn't it? So you went down there. Tell us a bit about that. So, yeah, this... So I think this was the very first chill-out on Clapham Common. This started a trend, you know, that carried on throughout the summer because um, this was May and uh, yeah it was just down the road from where Anton lived so I think that was his suggestion let's go clever and common you know what I mean everyone and, back to market what a, day, what a day man because it started off we were we got there quite early and then uh, yeah there was a few people I don't know 20 people and then there was all like these normal families and then Mark turned up with the Red Sierra started playing yeah. music yeah and um, yeah, and then it just swelled up. I don't know, maybe it was about 400 people there at that first one, you know. And, and but it was really mad because it was all these normal families sort of mixed in, but you know, it was just all love. Everybody was just like, yeah, friendly. I am, it was, yeah, wicked. I remember the ice cream van pulled up, <laughs> it was doing roaring business. He had a touch. <laughs> right, right by the windmill pub as well, isn't it? So yeah. yeah, it was a wicked day. So down on the right hand side is um, Chalky, Chalky White in the pink, in the pink sweatsuit. Quite Chalky, <laughs> yeah. And so Clapham Common was great. I mean, we came there, and you got a picture here in two thousand and sixteen, and I can see yeah. you're li- you're there, <laughs> and it's absolutely <laughs> it looks like thousands of people. And so that was Clapham Common. Clapham Common, it it lasted. Yeah. Probably, how long do you think it lasted? Like a month or something? No, it went. It went all summer, didn't it? I don't know when it stopped. I didn't. I don't recall. The last party I did was several reasons. Um, Well, one of them I don't really want to talk about, but I, I just went off the scene. Shall we say that? That's that. That's the best way of putting it. Me and Jem disappeared from the scene. and uh, just got out of raving. Um, so, and Anton, I think I didn't get paid for for the for the footage that I shot at Energy. Um, and I've had several meetings over the years about it. <laughs> it kind of like yeah, right, you know. Um, and uh, so, and Anton, I think he said to me that he wasn't going to be involved again but I, I don't know if that was true or not or there was something going on it was definitely true he didn't get involved again after the first one didn't he i thought but he was no. was he there at the other one so or was he, he... yeah he was there but he walked yeah he walked after the first one he walked yeah yeah so that's what he said to me and that, like i'm a karma sort of person do you know what i mean and i'll see how much Ant- anton had been 
I put into it. I wasn't really interested, and I still haven't been paid. <laughs> so <laughs> no one's no one, and I didn't have a phone. I had a big, I had a pager back then. No one, you know, and I think t- did Tintin have my number? I can't remember. He must have done. He must have had my number. I'm sure. So you know, I didn't get no message saying come and get your money or anything like that. So I was just like, yeah, right. So yeah, so that was your, that was the end of you doing energy parties. Then. Yeah, it was the end of me and energy. <laughs> but the, the, there was other things going on in my life where I sort of decided of I, I hang my raving shoes up for a bit, if you know what I mean. So another uh, big event that you did. I mean, I don't know if you did the sound system. Did you do the sound system at Unit Four? I didn't do it. I was there. I didn't do the sound system. Okay. Okay. So you took some photos at Unit Four, which I'm going to show up to everybody right I, now. So this. Yeah, I'll, I'll talk I'll, us through some of these photographs. So this is a unit four boat party, um, which was after all day at Spectrum, um, and Adamski played on this boat party. Uh, Fabio played, and Grew Rider cool. played as well. Uh, that is the actual T-shirt for the party. So it's unit wow. four Spectrum Starlight Two. I've never seen a flyer. <laughs> I'm wondering if that T-shirt was the actual, you know, it was the ticket sort of in, the, you know, for the party. Because it was Lenny D's birthday party, apparently. Lenny D, but, excellent. And Hensel as well with the Unit 4. Yeah, and Hensel, yeah. So, um, that and that's another Clink Street connection because Clifton, who was doing the security, was doing the security for Unit 4 as well. So I think, that that way that was uh, that was that was the connection. I think he said, "Oh, they, they want a they want a sound system for a boat party." Yeah, you can see. Cool. So this is all on a boat, basically. That's this crazy. Is on a boat, yeah, yeah. A boat on the Thames, yeah. Yeah, they're from Westminster Pier. It's south, you know, you know, outside, not in Westminster Embankment Pier. You know, right, you know, Heaven was Trafalgar Square. You know, yeah. street. And so, so you was actually sailing. You was actually well sailing. You was actually down motoring the down yeah. the river. I don't remember much of going up and down the river, but I, I got a clue. Yeah, of course you're inside. Yeah. Just well, I was just fussing around with the sound system, like, making sure it was all working. <laughs> and, so uh, tell us a little bit about Adamski's appearance. So Adamski uh, went, um, and this is before Killer. This is when he was playing NRG, um, and well, I'll have a choose. So. And this party, Natalie was telling me, Natalie Williams, who went on to be his girlfriend and their kid together, um, was telling me this is where she met him, where she heard him play. Oh, and cool. She, and she was there with Fabio and Groove, and she was like, what? on, Matt. What's that music? What's that? Who's that? What's this? <laughs> you know, and yeah, I see she, she dropped a comment on, she says there's something about his um, Force One trainers. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> <laughs> and Nancy Noise was like, oh yeah, those trainers. <laughs> oh my God, son. <laughs> if you check out my photography page, you can see all the comments on there and, and these pictures, apart from that one. That one's an exclusive, that one at the top. And the and the uh the t-shirt one, the first one on the boat. So if you go back to the one on the boat, this is let me just talk about this, right? The boat parties, yeah. I've never done a boat party before in my life. So this is like 88. So we get there, and obviously you can see the size of the speakers that I've taken, yeah? And you can see how big the door is on the boat to try and get the speaker through. So me and my brother decided that we'd pile the speakers up and put the speakers through the, through the window. Ah, fine, we got it all on there. That's great, yeah? 
when we get back in the morning, the tide's gone out, right? And the ramp is like, <laughs> no way. It's only me and my brother. So we got all the speaker cables out and like made a rope. My brother was at the top of the ramp and I was at the bottom pushing the speakers up, you know, to just like have a stop every like five minutes. Oh man. I, knew, I learned a lot about like, high and low tides that night. I say, <laughs> it was funny. Yeah, it was a good party. It was, I remember it being a good party, and Damsky played a wicked set. Excellent. Yeah. I didn't realize that was Unit Four. Yeah, Unit Four, Black Party. After wicked, Spectrum, dude. I mean, you, you, you literally was involved in so many different things. And let's go to um, Club Labyrinth. So at the end of '89, um, in that, in '89, I did a couple of parties. I remember doing a party, doing a laser. For um, for a party in Great Suffolk Street, this guy Mad Max, and uh, and it got raided. I managed to electrocute myself. Right, <laughs> I was tailing in the laser. <laughs> like it was the, where the fuse ball was was like under this whole thing, and it was like a load of rubbish. And like I'd done a backflip and like spiked myself on a chair or something, you know. Wow! And, and I just got up and was like, ah, get back in there. I've got the wrong side of the buzz bar. Wired it in, got it working, yeah. We've been going, I think the party had been going about 10 minutes and the police raided it. And I was like, oh, man. And uh, I remember him running up to me, doing the old handshake, you know, transferring the money. <laughs> but just put it in my pocket. I went, love it, nice one, mate. Went, no problem. Cheers, mate. Thanks for all your hard work. You know what I mean? And, yeah, the party didn't happen. But, yeah, and that, like, and that kind of started happening all the time. The police came down really heavy, didn't they? And that's true. They busted. They were busting things left, right, and centre. You can, you know, just so I just decided I had enough, and you know, backed out of it, stopped doing it, and uh, yeah, and I did. But I, it was too risky, especially for you losing all that equipment, losing equipment. Because for us, we we hire you guys, so we wasn't really that concerned. But <laughs> for you, I mean, you can only lose your equipment so many times, can't you? Well, I've got a great story about that, which spins back to some parties that I was doing in 87. And um, the party got busted. We got arrested. And I put my hands up because I'd hired the equipment. Said, like, yeah, the, you know, it's all my equipment sort of thing. And uh, when they raided it, um, they sent one cop in on his own, right? And he came in. It was, it was a bit like Keystone Cops. He was running around with his trunction. And literally, he said to me, get up, get up against the wall, like Whitey. And he tapped me on the back of the head with his junction. Uh, like, I wasn't resisting or anything. I could, I'd actually stepped away because of the way he was running around. I was like, whoa, 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 mate, there ain't no right here. We ain't here for fighting. You know what I mean? Because it, it looked like he was trying to incite it. And um, so anyway, the police, the police came and uh, they got in. And... Uh, and then I, yeah, I put my hands up so I organised it. So they took me off down to the station and uh, told, tried to do me for trespass and criminal damage. Yeah. <laughs> Confiscated all the equipment. And uh, anyway, I woke up on the Sunday and I had a bad headache. And uh, so I went to the doctors and my, the doctor was like, oh, have you hit your head? And I was like, oh, yeah, I've got hit on the head with a trunction. And he went right into one. He's like, what, you got hit on the head with a truncheon? You know, and told him the story. And uh, he said, like, the police are not allowed to hit you above the shoulder with a truncheon. So um, 
yeah, so I phoned them up like on the Monday and said, oh, yeah, I've got a slight, you know, I want to I wanna make a complaint sort of thing. And this is brilliant. And I was like, I was thinking, oh, no, like, this is going to cost me, this is going to be a fortune, you know what I mean? This is going to be a proper fortune. And uh, so I goes, you know, tell, tell Daryl what had gone on. And he he kind of knew that we were doing things that weren't quite proper, if you know what I mean. And he just goes, okay, which police station? So I was like, oh, Putney. So he picks the phone up, looks the phone number up in the book, <laughs> rings the police station, like, goes, blah, 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 I understand you raided this party and we've got some equipment there, it belongs to me. And the police officer's going, yeah, yeah, we've, we confiscated it, we're holding it as evidence. He's going, yeah, that's absolutely fine, I'm going to start, I'm going to transfer the hire to you now. Uh, and uh, and you can hear the phone going, uh, uh, okay, uh, all right. So the next day I got called, come and get your equipment. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, that's what they normally do. Got it all back, man. Yeah. This, is the, yeah. this is in 87, though. You know what I mean? Yeah, so, 1887 as well, mate. It's, 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 it's your <laughs> Sorry? 1987. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, it's not your equipment. It's uh, anyone could be fooled into hiring the equipment out to someone. Because you remember it was like Young's and all those types of spots, wasn't it? That's our first equipment we got from Young's. Did you? Yeah, yeah man. Yeah. Okay, so I went to the last party at Clink Street, yeah? Ray invited me down. And it was Labyrinth who did the last party at Clink Street. I saw, I saw the flyer the other day. So I got a coffin on it, RIP Clink Street, yeah? <laughs> it's quite funny. And he'd, they'd hired like a really terrible sound system from PWL from up the old King Road. It was, it was. So when I'm leaving Clink Street, I said to Ray, "I was just like that sound system, man." I was like, "Tell, tell, tell Joe, you know, if he needs a decent sound system, give me a call." Yeah, I get the call. Next thing, the next thing, like I did at that time, I wasn't. I've met Neil, started working with Neil, uh, Eskimo Noise. So I get, I gave Neil the number and he rings, he rings Joe and goes and looks at 12 Delson Lane. The next thing, it, there we are. We're at 12 Delson Lane at Labyrinth doing the sound system there. So in a way, I'm a bit gutted I didn't keep it. I should have kept that contact and I should have negotiated it. But yeah, it's life, isn't it? I've got some photographs of uh, Club Labyrinth on the screen currently. So let's talk us through some of those. So, yeah, sure. That, so that's the Amp Room at Club Labyrinth, um, which was at the top of the stairs to nowhere. <laughs> Aye. <laughs> uh, Billy Bunter. A young Billy Bunter. Yeah, 15, I reckon. And I know it's... I know this is a really early photograph because of the monitor. <laughs> so, it didn't Makes last very long, that monitor. It got upgraded quite quickly. So this one's actually at Bagley's. We we did the labor we sound for labyrinth uh, for all for all their events, uh, and this one was at Bagley's. I don't but I don't cool. think this was our sound system, but this is Ginger Mark, who's who's one of one of uh, Joe's Joe's old mates. R.I.P. Mark Ginger. Love, what, another lovely geezer. That's the main floor, looking towards the stage at uh, Labyrinth. Is that, there's Joe. There's Joe. Hey. Joe. And on the left is Squiggly. Hey. <laughs> and there's a couple. You know what? Uh, Labyrinth was a, like a family affair. You know, everyone knew each other down there and everybody looked after each other. Give, you know, it had that old school acid house rave vibe of yeah, love 
and we're all together in this. You know, I think I don't think that gets talked about enough. I, you know, it, it was a family affair all over. Nice. Oh, you mean acid house in general, or are we talking yeah, labyrinth? Just acid, acid house in general. Yeah, and, yeah, and, it was and a big lab, family. labyrinth as well. You know, this is so labyrinth was at twelve Dolston Lane. Yeah, and Dolston at that time was a rough place, man. Proper. Hackney rough. was a rough place. For those that don't know, Dolston is in Hackney, yeah, and yeah. Hackney was a rough, tough place. And yeah. the venue, I, I spoke about this with Joe from Labyrinth on our on our podcast, and. That venue in in and of itself, I mean, it, it's had lots of inclinations over the years, but you know, it's, it was a bad spot at one point, really bad spot. Well, it was a, it was a reggae club. They turned it around, Ice, yeah. Four aces. Yeah, lots. when it when it was a reggae club, you it, know, it, it was, was a proper it was hangout. So it was a naughty, naughty, <laughs> naughty gaff. Guns, knives. It was naughty down there, mate. You know, and then Labyrinth changed all that. Obviously, a different type of night. But there were like a couple of, there was about three different clubs in the area and they were all naughty. You know, if you stepped on someone's shoe, you'd end up, you know, in intensive care. Yeah. Yeah. And so it was great to have Club Lamphorus down there. It was just such a uplifting, happy, unified vibe. I mean, it, it really uplifted the building, I'm sure. It brought that new energy to that site. Yeah. Yeah. It was awesome. It was. Just a whole, the whole, um, and people came from across the across the country to to Labyrinth, you know, which is, you know, it was a proper, a proper, a proper gateway. So that's um, on the left is Sue, which is Joe's missus, and that's Gwen from uh, from Rave Scene Magazine. Um, oh, I think I remember that little little zine, see, wasn't it? I see Gwen's a mayor now. <laughs> Say that again. Because of a Facebook friend, Gwen, uh, the the lady behind, yeah, is, uh, a mayor. It was like what a mayor. <laughs> yeah, she's a mayor. Come on, girl. Where was it? Shropshire or somewhere like that. I was just Excellent. like, what? <laughs> <laughs> I got was a Facebook friend. Excellent. But they, she used to run Rave Scene magazine. Do you ever see I remember that? that? Yeah, wasn't it a little yeah. tiny magazine? Yeah, yeah. yeah, that's it. Yeah, I think I've got one somewhere. Yeah. But yeah, mate, so what times, eh? So then at some point during 1989, you joined up with Eskimo. Tell tell us a little bit about Eskimo and tell us who they are and what they're about. Okay, so Eskimo, uh, I was at Eskimo from uh, 89, the end of 89. So at the end of 89, I was, you know, looking, uh, I was thinking of going straight, you know, finding a proper job, you know. I think I went for a couple of proper jobs. <laughs> like stacking shelves and things like that. Uh, no, but it's interesting because what you were saying earlier is that, you know, through 1989, we'd been through so much struggle. Yeah. There'd been so many events had been cancelled. Uh, you know, it, it started veering back into the clubs. And so the whole scene had really changed. And a lot of people were really tired. You know, we'd been going through police roadblocks every single Saturday was almost like a battleground. So by the end of 1989, you, you've become slightly tired of this, I imagine. And and so you're doing, you know, whatever you're going to do next. Yeah. Just had, en- well, just had enough of it, not making any money, sort of. I remember yeah. going busking with Jem. That's, you know, that's how, that's how bad it got. We didn't have any money. So you know, we go down, because uh, she lived in, uh, she lived near Elephant Castle. 
and uh, we go we go down we went down like the south bank outside back of the ltv busking and she had a brilliant voice so you know we, we made good money i was playing bongos doing a bit of backing <laughs> but yeah cool. but it, it got tough it got tough it was like yeah go back you know make some money go and get beans on toast and yeah so i decided i'd go straight try and find a proper job you know you know um, and uh yeah i couldn't find anything so i was talking to tamsin on the phone one day and she said to me oh mills just bought a like 10k sound system i was like all right, good. Why didn't you give him a call? So I gave Neil a call, and we were on the phone for like a, for a night sort of thing, chatting about sound systems. And uh, he was like, "No, I haven't got anything." I was like, "All right, no worries, sort of thing." So, he, and then he phones me up the next the next night and goes, "Oh, what are you doing? Do you, do you want to come give me a hand with this gig?" And that that was the start of Eskimo. You know, I sort of started one day a week with him, and then built up slowly. Um, and you, you, we started doing, we were doing monkey drum in um, uh, Clockenwell Road. It's Clockenwell Road? Clockenwell Road, maybe, which was Barry Ashworth from the Doug Pistols. That was his, that was it. That was his night. He was part of Deja Vu crew. Um, and they used to do um, the other night to the project club at Ziggy's in Streatham. So I, like I knew them boys from, from down there. They used to go to the project club actually that lot. And uh so and yeah, just started doing little gigs with him and then Labyrinth came along and Labyrinth was like a sort of first major residency and sort of bread and butter sort of thing. And then after that came A Wall um at the Paradise Club, which was well danced, Jay and all them boys. Yeah, Jay but this is the nineties now, isn't it? Yeah, this is 90s. So we're into 90, 90 or 91, I think, AWOL started. It was early. Yeah. It, wasn't, it, wasn't that, it wasn't that far after we, you know. Yeah, it was like 91, 92, something like that. Wasn't somewhere it? around there. We go, yeah, I used to go to Labyrinth Light. At first, I was working. Well, Neil used to do the Friday night. I used to do the Saturday or vice versa. We'd swap it around, yeah. Uh, at first and then after about a year Neil stopped he, he had enough he didn't want to work in clubs I, I still liked it I still enjoyed it and um, then then he promoted me to like operations manager and we got had a few more people you know grew and grew and grew uh, you know did well dance all the world dances uh, we used to we used to do half of it and then bring other people in and it just got bigger and bigger so working with Eskimo Noise, you then went on and you got to work with all of these different types of companies and you got to do all these different experiences on a high level, being paid, obviously. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, and so you had your world dances with JP. Yeah. He was doing the world dances. And... So I know you've worked on so many projects, so many different things. But let's go back to the Project Club because the Project Club was one of those initial seminal club nights. And yeah. it's very important in this, the growth of Acid House because it was where the original five came back from. Paul Oakenfold, Ian St. Paul, they started the Project Club. So again, it was before Spectrum, before Future. Tell us a little bit about that, mate. So where I'd um, done a party down in Brighton and met Carl Cox, uh, 
I and, and uh, yeah, and I started working with Carl Cox, uh, looking after sound systems for him. And uh, so he used to do sound at the Project Club uh, in Streatham, at Ziggy's. So basically, yeah, we go back, go down there and set that, set that, set that sound system up, and I'd run it. And then usually Carl would be doing another gig somewhere. Uh, I remember one that I that I looked after, which was Adrenaline, yeah, uh, Tony Wilson. Yeah, Tony we Wilson. Might... I remember Echoes. Yeah, yeah, Echoes. Yeah, it was over yeah. in uh, this party was in South Ockenden, right? <laughs> yeah, it was at the barn. That it was a half-built cow shed. <laughs> yeah, it must be the same same spot, mate. Dance with the devil. Bit... I've got a picture of this, yeah, but it's a slide and uh, I need to get it off, you know, get it get it scanned up. But um, Yeah, there was only one spot in South Ogden, mate. That is the spot. I, I've been there loads of times. I went there yeah. about four weeks in a row until it got burned down. <laughs> this, this place got this. So this party actually got raided. Yeah. And the police came. And, uh, anyway, I managed to persuade the police that they didn't need to take all the equipment. I'll just go give them the most important piece of equipment, like a spare amplifier. Yeah, so we could have we could have gone on, but I just didn't want to risk it. I didn't want to spend the night in the in the cell. So um, yeah, we're just sitting there, you know, with the equipment, waiting for Carl to come back from the project club to pick all the equipment. So that's a way for him to play and then come over and get us. You know, I mean, I said word that it got raided, it got stopped. But yeah, so there was that, and there was another club. But I did sneak us up in Forest Gate with him. Um, which, yeah, there's a story in that. but Because it, cause it should be said that in, in terms of acid parties, there wasn't that many people that were renting their sound systems out. I mean, yes, you'd go to the shop or whatever, but there wasn't that many people. And so Carl was one of those few people that were actually doing this, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah. And, it, and I think Carl only stopped because he got stung, didn't he, by the police. They set up a big sting. For the adrenaline boys. Wow, dude, I don't, I don't remember that. Yeah, or well, you could talk to him about it. I'm sure. I'm sure. I will. Yeah, he, he's. Uh, yeah, I remember him telling me. Yeah, they set. That, yeah, they, they. I think they. Well, did they set him up? Set up as a bogus, like a bogus rave, and then nicked everybody. No way. Right. He got nicked. Yeah, he got. And I think. He, I think he's, I think the gear did get confiscated, and um, I, I think at that time they got to a point where they were confiscating the gear, and then I think uh, they changed. Well, if they, well, if they actually arrest you as the promoter as well, then I think that that gives them reason to keep the stuff. Right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Whereas if you had just got duped as a sound company, then you would be have to get it back. But if they thought that no, you're the promoter as well. Yeah. then you, you know you're stuffed yeah because i've kind of lost contact with him what happened what happened i can't remember but i remember actually i remember because we went to like dance 91 down in brighton me and jen went to dance 91 down in brighton and it was the first time we heard what have you done yeah one tribe on a big system and carl was playing it and we were like standing at the back and I remember waving a car going, this is James' record. It's like, what? And it was just like, like, you know, first time to hear 
like that out on a big system was just, oh, I was just like, what? And Kyle playing it, but man, I was just, we were both blown away. We were both like, is this real? I went, I went to um, a Spectrum in Brighton with, uh, with Kyle. I jumped in the back of his van and went to Brighton with him and Maxine. Yes, I went to a few Spectrum parties with, with Kyle because Kyle was, Kyle was playing. Kyle was in with them boys as well. Um, and the yeah, of course, Carl was in with Oki. And Project Club, you know, sure. Trevor Fung and Pete Tong and Oki. And uh, I think that's, it might be where I met Lisa Loud and Nancy Noise at, at in Streatham, the Ziggy's. You know, like it was at Ziggy's, it was a really small club, you know. And, yeah, because Ziggy's was but, another night. I mean, Dominic spread love. He used to play at Ziggy's did at he? that time with yeah. Oakenfold and everybody. Oh, well, yeah, I got a feeling. You know, I do remember. Do you I, remember about Ziggy's? I remember. I remember him. I remember the doorman there, <laughs> Nosha Powell. Yeah, and he Nosha Powell was a stunt man as well. It was like in Eat the Rich and James Bond, and yeah, he was a character. Nosha was just a. He was huge. He used to like be a bare knuckle fighter or something. And I remember someone saying to me, "If you see Nosha take his glasses off." And I was like, hey, he goes, just get out of the way. I was like, I was thinking, what, what, what is he on about? And yeah, and uh, I saw him, like when he took his glasses off, he couldn't see anything. And if he, he was going to hit someone if he took his glasses off, so everybody just moved out of the way. It was hilarious. But Stratum at that time was again like Hackney. Again, mate, you know, you, you've been around for so long and you was around at that early time. And so you must have some prodigy stories. Yeah, I, I I was I did the first prodigy um, PA at uh, Labyrinth. I weren't too happy exactly. actually that that day. Uh, so I, uh, Joe, Joe had a habit of not telling you what was going on. You know what I mean? It's like you have to be clairvoyant. So I got to the club. You know, well, you got to keep the cars close to your chest, mate. Oh, mate, <laughs> I got to the club, and there's a there's all these geezers in there. And I like this geezer's in my sound room. I was like, like who are you? And like, oh yeah, with the prodigy. I was like, right. And then I saw the graphic and they gone and changed it. I was like, who touched that? So I was just like the sound nah. man's ready to a high and amount. Oh, what, what are you doing? It's like you know, so I just went and changed it all back because the graphic was set for the room, you know, not to make them sound good. Yeah, you need to do that on your mixer, not not on the graphic for the graphic for the sound system, which is like suited to the room. Um, so they were, I think they were a bit like, oh, scary man. Yeah, <laughs> 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 was like, I was like, oh, I think I phoned Neil up. Goes, what? What's going on? And he never told me it was a PA. Oh, I don't know anything about it. Uh, it was classic sort of, yeah, no, no communication. So uh, yeah, but they went on. They kicked. They used my. They used the sound room as a dressing room. Uh, yeah, it was. It was wicked. It was like first time I think I ever saw a nine oh nine, a real nine oh nine in person. Yeah, it was. Yeah, they, and they kicked it. They kicked. It was. They, and they came back and played two or three times. Played at Bagley's, and you know, I think. I, yeah, they, Liam's just a really nice geezer. Every time I see him, he's like, all right, mate, that's a game. You know, like, you know, was, 
Yeah. And how was it that first that first night? Because their their sound was quite a powerful sound as well, wasn't it? A wicked tune, isn't it? So that first night, because Joe actually speaks about it a bit in uh, in our podcast. And so how how from your point of view, having been angry with the lads once they got on the stage, <laughs> I calmed down as soon as soon as I set got my graphic. As soon as you sorted the graphic out, yeah. And then, as soon and as then, you got your own way, you was all right again. No, I, went, I just sorted the graphic out, and then I went down and like and like you know you know what I'm like. I, I'm, yeah, yeah. I'm helpful. So I, I go down and listen and say you know put take a bit of bass. I'll put bass. But I, I mean the labyrinth system was was bass heavy. I mean me and Neil yeah. both agreed on this. We just love bass. So Eskimo you know, rode on the base. It, we, you know, that's, you know, God. like the system that we put into AWOL, uh, Paradise Club, yeah. You know, that was the start of drum and bass. And, like, I've heard so many people talk about how they wrote a tune just for that sound system, you know. And I've got to say, I, I, I will, like, blow blow Eskimo's trumpet. We did revolutionise sound systems because the problem that they were having at Labyrinth before we came along was the sound system never lasted the whole night. It gets about halfway through and it breaks down. And like, mm. it, and like, it was a mate of Joe's as well. And I remember Joe saying to me, is your sound system going to last all night? And I was like, look at him, like, is that a bit of a mad What do you question? mean? Because <laughs> 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 we didn't build sound systems that only went for half a night. And then... They have even heard of that before. Well, yeah, we, just didn't, we just didn't engineer that way. You know, we, we, we built systems that worked all the way through. I mean... I remember Neil blowing up bass bins a couple of times when he got he got some new bass bins and give them give it a bit too much and like I turn up at the end of the night and you'd be looking sad. I was like, what's the matter? I'm blowing the bass bins up. <laughs> I just laugh at him. And I never did it. I never blew anything up. I I always just like I, I always just managed to keep the lid on it just slightly. I did but there was a thing between me and Neil. Like they tell me that Neil was running it louder than me. And I like, and I was like, yeah, right. And then like, I see Neil and go, you've been running it loud again. He's like, no, you know, and I don't think he did. Well, there's another thing as well, like certain DJs, like they don't need it, like balls out. Do you know what I mean? The certain music doesn't need to be really too hard, you know, where, and then there's other types where it needs to, you need a bit more bass. So I'll ride it as well. And I'll be riding the amps. I'll be clipping them. <laughs> and, I, and I imagine Prodigy, they needed that bass. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They had a W30 and a 909, and, it, and they sounded wicked. You know, there is something about organic sound coming out of the machines that is, so, you know, it's just the next level on, really, from a record. Yeah, even the, just the rawness of it, the power. Now, the 909, yeah, was like your techno drum machine. That's what the Prodigy used, yeah? And then your house drum machine was like the 808. Well, the, the actual rawness, because it's analog sound, coming out the actual drum, drum machine, yeah, it, you won't get it. It won't be, the record will never sound as deep as a real machine because the record, yeah, and the record deck, has to be like you have to filter out the the lower frequencies because of the feedback issues because it because the sound wave will feed back through the through the through the tone arm because a, a, a bass wave 
is like a 20 hertz base wave, well, say 30 hertz, because most systems wouldn't go down, they go down to about 25. 30 hertz is actually 30 feet long, the actual sine wave, the way. Wow. The, yeah, so you, you know, you can't hide from that wave. So it's going to go back through the, the arm of the deck. Whereas if it's coming out of a machine, there's no feedback. Just, you know, it blows it away. Um, yeah, so they did. They sounded wicked, raw and wicked. Yeah, and they played. Uh, um, they played it. Ever picture tells a story as well. Um, up here, um, it was at Tottenham Recreation Centre. Um, that was yeah, that was awesome as well. It was a diff- slightly different system because the, the the system at and the shape of the room, I imagine, was quite different as well, wasn't it? Yeah, it was more warehousey. Uh, um, yeah. Like Twelve Dawson Lane was good because it had a high ceiling because it used to be a cinema. Of, it used to be the lobby for the cinema or theatre around the other side. It's a massive place, you know. Um, the um, yeah, so and obviously, and when we, we were really masters at tuning systems for rooms, you know, we go and look at the room, and and we put the system in and then move it slightly, and even a couple of inches does make a big difference to the to the to the sound, you know, what what we're bouncing or and how many. People were in there, although Labyrinth, sure. I've got to say, most, I don't know, 90% of the time it was rammed. Or, or, there, was only a, there was only a couple of times when it wasn't rammed, when the big, if it was a big rave on, yeah. Yeah, but yeah. Most of the time, it was sweat box, man. And let's talk, <laughs> let's talk, yeah, for sure, mate. I mean, let's talk about, I mean, while we're talking about the sound, I mean, I know the Eskimo noise you know, they were hugely popular throughout the 89s and, and, and even still today, I imagine they're still running, but tell us about some of the people you worked with while you was with Eskimo Noise. Yeah. So, I mean, we, we were just loved by the promoters. So the promoters dragged us in to all, all the venues they wanted to do. It's like, yeah, we've got this sound system, you know, we go in and do a free demo as well, you know, for the first week you know, give it to them free, you know, well, once I, once we've been in there, we, and we played the system, they just like, they just not, there's no going back. You know what I mean? That's confidence. Yeah, <laughs> that's, that's right. That's confidence. Well, that, that's, we knew, we knew we could do that. And like, yeah, it wasn't anywhere that we went, no, we don't want you to come back next week. In fact, when we did it at SW1, we caused the right, right uproar because um, it turned out that the sound system that it was in there, was owned by it was rented by the licensee of the venue, and that, this didn't come out until we went in there and they they went no we've done on that system and the point was all what why not you know so uh, they ended up upgrading the sound system in the venue <laughs> all through that and eventually it got taken over and then we and then then we were, then they then they called us back in they were like come back come back we want you in again. Um, so I'll just do a quick list of clubs and yeah, so Club UK, uh, EC1, SW1, um, Knights, Cookies and Cream, AWOL, um, yeah, I'm stuck in hell. There's so many. Uh, and then uh, obviously I know that you worked with Goldie, Asian Dub Foundation, yeah. Tell us a little bit so, about all that. So, tell us about the so Goldie from, situation with Metalheads. Yeah, Goldie's Goldie at uh, the Blue Note. So Goldie, Goldie was mates with um, JP from World Dance, and uh, and, he, and Goldie went AWOL and he, he uh, Paradise Club, 
and he was just like, yeah, you know, hook me up with these boys. So Neil Neil sent me down there to <laughs> to have a listen on the first night uh, at the Blue Note and um, take down a pair of monitors. I took down a pair of monitors because they didn't have any monitors. And I think that Blue Note sounds quite mad. So I went in and I went, yeah. it was like in-house system. I was like, well, for a start, there's not enough bass. I was like, you could probably get away with the tops, but I think we're going to need to put some more bass in there at least. So, so this is your Goldie's Metalheads night. I mean, it's a world-famous yeah. night. So that was it. Every Sunday, um, I didn't do the night myself because I, 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 I wanted to rave there, actually. <laughs> Me and Jim used to rave there. So I gave it to like one of my best engineers, Troy, and, uh, and uh, spec'd up, uh, I think it was 12 bass bins we used to take in there every Sunday. So just for the Sunday, you take those 12 bass bins in and then the, the Blue Note, kind of liked it and the other promoters like ninja tunes and snowboy were like ah oh, we want we want that how much sort of thing so we ended up leaving some of it and only taking a little bit extra for metalheads in the end <coughs> excuse me <clears throat> yeah yeah because gold was like mate save yeah. some stuff for me yeah <laughs> no, <laughs> no goldie was goldie just loved it you know it was just like yeah. you know and then the, the sound it was good it was such it's great vibe in there such a small and another packed round club, you know what I mean? Every week it was like, and that yeah. was that whole new sound, the whole new drum and bass vibe. I mean, that yeah, sounded yeah. amazing on those speakers. Yeah. yeah. Well, it was built for it. We were, we, me, both me and Neil, you know, and all, all the Eskimo boys into the music and into the way it sounded, you know, although me and Troy come from techno, we, we do it like a bit of we, we like a bit we like everything we're very eclectic in our taste the same when neil was very eclectic um sure mate you know we just Excellent. and we just loved hearing it we liked it to be clear with you know that bass that just hits you and moves you you know it's just like yeah if we walk across the dance floor and you're not feeling it and i need to go and turn it up I used to I used to make sure I went down like every half an hour at least to the dance floor. Sometimes it'd be more. It depends, you know. I used to go on a tour around the whole club, like whenever I was working, wherever I was working, you know, and go and stand in different spots to see what is, you know, how it was sounding on that particular night, you know, because, you know, because, you know, you notice it when things when they move things as well. Um, yeah, we we just tune the system, and I move, we just move it every once in a while just to see if it make that much difference. And the regular maintenance, we did all that and spare, and ended up then being called what we called a floater. I just so I just float around the clubs and you know problem solve, you know, which right. was a service yeah. that no one else was really was um, was um, offering. Which is one another reason why Eskimo were so successful, just because we we were dedicated, we we lived it. You know, sound systems were our lives. Yeah, all the Eskimo boys. Big shout out to all the Eskimo boys out there. <laughs> so when you look back at that acid house period, and I know that you was at the energies and the sunrises and and all of those massive events, but what really, what venue really stands out to you? Um, I think it's hard to put. There's so many memories of so many different places, and I think 
I mean, Clink Street has got to be the one for me because, you know, I think whenever I went anywhere else, I'd see my Clink Street family, you know, in, in those other places. And there was lots. I, I was, I went loads of different places. Energy is special because of the, because because of what it was. It's just such a, you know, it, and I, for me, I, I did go to some other big raids after that, and I, the energy was just, it was just next level. It, you know, I did, yeah, um, labyrinth as well. I, yeah. I mean, Labyrinth, same thing. Even when I, when I was floating, going around all the clubs, I always used to go, I'd go Labyrinth. I'd go Club UK as well. Just so, there were so many good nights, you know, through the 90s as well. That the, yeah. It was different, obviously, because I crossed, it was more, became more work, whereas, like, you know, the Acid House days wasn't, we were doing it for fun, weren't we? Yeah, so that was the second part of the question. You know, it, yeah. on a professional level, what um, really stood out for you? Wait, wait, what inspired you to go on? Because you stayed in this game. You stayed in that career. You're a sound and audio engineer, architect, technician, landscape designer, however you want to frame <laughs> it. Multimedia. And what was the night that you was like, yeah, I'm doing this for the rest of my life, mate? Ah, oh, it's entertainment, isn't it? And it, it, that's what it, it boils down at the end of the end of the day. It does down, and I and it's kind of what I wanted to do when I left school. I, I wanted to do entertainment. I obviously crossed. I've crossed the line now and become, you know, DJ and artist. And you know, I I've tried to move away a couple of times. Do you know? But it, it, my heart's in. My heart's still in entertainment. I and dancing. You know what's kept you in it? What 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 do you? What's what kept is, me in it? Yeah, well, I what, guess that that for me personally, I've always intrigued by the idea of setting up communities and social platforms where everyone can get together and share ideas and concepts. But this all came from Acid House, and so everything that I've been involved in since Acid House has been vehicles that unify people a lot of the time free vehicles i i free platforms you know tech wise and stuff and so that's always been that's always been the thing for me is creating international community of projects which bring people together and i'll always do that i think mm. got something to say before we go on and that, that is a, i want to say a big thank you to you Right, because for the belief that you put in me, oh, know, back for those re in that in those reunion days. Yeah, um, because that's one thing we didn't mention, did we? We didn't no, actually we mention <laughs> that you did uh, Genesis production for me and my two reunions, mate. I know. Yeah. Thank you. Well, no, thank you because, like, I, I remember you saying to me, oh, "I'm going to start on internet." Don't uh, <laughs> 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 You went to me. <laughs> There's two things. You went to me. I'm going to start an internet station. Yeah, I want you to run it. I was like. Ah, all right, okay. But like that had such a massive effect on my, my life, you know, DJ, sure. getting back into the DJ and, and making music, you know, and everything to come from that. And then... Uh, because that was it, just so people know that we did the Genesis reunion and from that became a radio station. And this is 88 Radio. 
Yeah. I mean, it started off with one chat who who contacted me and said, you know, I, I, you know, you've done such a great thing with Genesis. I want to build your radio station. Unfortunately, we ended up falling out with that chap. Uh, I don't want to say anything negative about the chap. I wish him all the best. Uh, but we carried on without him. But I do wish him all the best. And yourself and my sister Shrine, you guys were in there running it. And that was quite exciting, wasn't it? Was that, was that 2012, was it? Yeah, yeah, well, all the way till then, wasn't it? From two thousand. Yeah. Well, we did two. We did two thousand and eleven and two thousand and twelve, didn't we? Yeah, yeah, and that. So it's and then on the two thousand and twelve rave, I, I got to DJ at the rave, which you know, on yeah. the reunion, which for me as well was a massive. It was a massive thing in my in in my career, shall we say? And yeah, um, no, I mean, the, the, a lot came out of that. What the, what the things that I noticed that came out of the Genesis reunions, unlike previous events, we obviously didn't have the internet, we didn't have social media, but what came out of these reunions is it, this thriving community, like with yourself. And I noticed this bond between quite a large group of people that has continued from the, those Genesis parties till today. Yeah. Yeah, totally. totally. <laughs> that was a and massive I, gap. <laughs> That's funny. Isn't the, it? I, the uh, what's it? You're, you're glitching a little bit. That's why. Oh, okay. You're glitching me a little bit. But um, yeah, no, uh, yeah, massive community, and obviously a new community online, and was spread across the whole world. You know what I mean? I, like so many people that you know that I'm still connected with from those Genesis reunion and the and the radio station. Uh, Genesis sure. 88 Radio, and uh, I, I also want to thank you for your production skills, which I don't think you really understand. But I remember just before I was going to go on, you went to me, "Don't play too hard." <laughs> 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 and you were right, you know, because you know me. You've heard what I play, and you were right. You were totally right. And uh, yeah, quick rearranging my set. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you, you know, I think that's probably one of the best sets I played. Actually, I'm like well happy. Oh, I was well happy that night. It I was a great production, mate. The sound system, because again, it was Eskimo noise, wasn't it? Yeah. Sound system was amazing. Yeah. That light show you put was amazing. Everyone had a great time. I well, must shout say, out, shout out to Pat. Time. Shout out to Pat on the on the programming of the lights. Mr. Was Mer that that big ruster geezer? No, nah, no, nah, that Who's was the big ruster geezer. He's he's the guy who supplied the equipment. Tony, his name is. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. He's a Brixton boy. He's, he was uh, a force to be reckoned with, wasn't he? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he, um, yeah, but Pat, Mur Pat Murphy, who did the actual programming, the the lighting and the operating on the night. Yeah, he uh, he was a, he's an old acid head. Yeah, he loved that cool. night. He was. He, and he do you was, remember what we were going to do that oh, night? Man. You remember we were going to um, Tyree Cooper. We were yeah, going to do that live broadcast, wasn't yeah, we? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because a lot of people, yeah. they actually think that we were blagging that. Because I remember yeah. you were there. I've actually got pictures of you and Cyrus there. And we were trying to get it done, wasn't we? Trying to yeah. get that connection yeah. between the two on the internet. And we just wasn't quite. It just there, wasn't was good it? enough, was it? <laughs> you know, it wasn't it's quite 2011. There, it still wasn't that fast, the internet, you know, so... We didn't oh, actually manage to pull it off. So that was such a shame. But I remember that you and Cyrus as well was really trying to get that going. Get it, come on. Technology but, um, so far, isn't it? it? You know what I mean? Just the way that, it, you know, it's advanced. 
you know yeah i I love tech i love tech and i'll always be involved in tech and i'll always use tech and i'll always use tech again to unify people to bring people together and the internet and even like this zoom podcast it's just amazing or you know and even like um video gaming you know the call of duty and you know playing with all your friends all around the world in real time speaking in real time it's just amazing the the where we are today technology wise i mean it's a shame we're not there in terms of you know emotional content <laughs> but uh in terms of technology i think it's all mate? got it's all been reborn in it yeah but listen so so mate i really want to thank you for coming on to the podcast again i know you're not normally front of camera and <laughs> so i so i know that you know to be in front of the camera for this long as well, live microphone. I know it was, you know, it's not difficult for you, but I know it's slightly stressful because you'd rather be behind the camera. And I know that you only did it because it was me and I appreciate it, mate. I honestly do. And, um, you know, you're your personal friend of mine and, you know, you'll always do my productions for me and I'm sure you'll do productions for many more. And so again, Thank you for coming on the podcast, and I will see oh, that, you. That's for... a good question, actually. I've got a question just before you go. Got... When's the next one? I don't know. <laughs> but in, t- in terms of doing Genesis parties, again, I've said it a couple of times. I'm not sure what my motivation for doing them is. No, I, I, think, I, I, I think need to have like, some motivation. Like I, I tell you, what would motivate me. I tell you, what would motivate me. With, with that reunion, though, I think you were just a bit. You started the trend, you know. If you look where it went from there, you know what I mean, and everybody yeah. got back into it. You know, the, you were you were you were the one yeah. who kicked it all off again, and uh, it did seem that way. I, yeah, I, I'll tell you the truth, right? That obviously, again, we didn't have social media back in the old days, but after that 2011 party, and I went on Facebook, and I actually saved a load of them. There was about 400 comments on my on my facebook profile and you know i was chuffed to see that they absolutely loved it everybody left such beautiful messages it was like wow i'd never ever experienced that feedback you know and and that you know that so many people thanking me for for doing something in my life you know so when (laughs) i saw that i was like oh this is that's a beautiful thing i think we did a beautiful thing and and that's why I don't necessarily want to spoil it by doing another party. But I feel <laughs> if I if I was to do something, it has to be special. Like I'd be up for doing a party for a hundred thousand, you know, yeah. or yeah. I'd be up for doing a big party on an island somewhere, you know, yeah. you know, you know, you know, a bit like the Fay Festival, I but think, for real. I think I think I'll be up for doing something school. with like you know energy level production. Do you know what I mean? In, yeah, um, I'd be up for doing yeah, something with Tintin and the boys. Listen, if yeah. all of us got together, you know, yeah. uh, myself, uh, Tony, I doubt if Tony would be able to get involved. But if we all got together, Tintin, you know, Jarvis, couple of heads, it's got to be a ticket, isn't co- it? It's got to be. You know what I mean? Maybe, maybe. I mean, maybe, maybe on the, what the... I've got other focuses right now, but if, if something interesting comes up, I would definitely, definitely look at it. So, mate, again, I really want to thank you for coming onto the podcast. I know that 
you're someone that's normally behind the scenes. You're not a person that stands in front of cameras with microphones stuck in your face and asked any questions and pressed on issues. And so, again, I do appreciate you being here. You've been a personal friend for quite a long time now, and you're one of the most hardworking production guys I know. So I wish you all the luck with your production and everything you're doing. I know you're doing uh, Mr. South stuff now. And so you do a lot of musical productions. So people should look out for all your musical productions. I will be adding all your websites and all your different links to the show notes that will be on the 88podcast.com. But mate, thanks for coming on, Sam. Uh, thank you, Wayne. Uh, wait, love you, brother. <laughs> yeah, mate. Yeah, big love, brother. And... Mate, well, I'll catch you soon and we'll have a pint of Guinness. Yeah, definitely. Well, maybe not Guinness. Maybe a tequila. Oh. Yeah, tequila, <laughs> mate. Whoa. I'll tell you a little story about tequila, right? I'll tell you a little quick story about tequila. I was once, in, this is in 1987, I was once in, I was in a friend's bar in Swiss Cottage. And we were, you know, I was with a friend of mine and we were talking, we were talking, we, started, we were drinking wine actually. And then we started talking about tequila. And the fella said to me, I was, uh, started talking about the mezcal tequila with the worm in it and so the the chap who owned the bar he said mate i've got a bottle here so i was like okay and there was four of us i was there with my girlfriend and a friend of mine the girlfriend wasn't drinking and it was just us three blokes the the owner of the bar anyway i ended up getting the worm in my glass ate the worm he then pulled out this bottle of polish vodka had a long grain of grass or something in it by the time we got halfway through, I couldn't even remember. Apparently, I ate the grass as well. But, <laughs> <laughs> but we just moved in this new place in Hampstead that day, literally that day. And we're just like, let's just, you know, just put the stuff down and let, let's go and have a quick drink. And so when we got back, I mean, I was so drunk by the time, you know, once we got out into the air. I was, oh, I was so drunk, mate. And then I was spewing up everywhere and my girlfriend wasn't happy at all. But all I, the reason I'm saying this story, all I remember was I was in the flat uh, and I thought that, and she was just really angry. She was in another room. And so I was so mangled and I was being sick and I thought I'm going to choke. I actually thought I was going to choke on my own from it. So I started shouting out, I'm going to die. <laughs> I'm dying. <laughs> And so for about, I see, was so angry for about 45 minutes on our first night in this posh flat in the Hampstead, I was screaming out, I'm going to die. Don't let me die. Are you, this is the function. Are you going to tell me you never drunk Kilo since? Oh, no, no, no. I drank, of course. I can't even drink it. So Kilo is a bigger beef for drinks. But that was, that was my first tequila experience. All right. Okay. Like before that day, I'd and never you, ate even the worm, drank. you ate the worm on your first experience. That's what I'm saying. My, before, I'd hadn't even drank tequila before that day. <laughs> uh, my very first day, we drank a whole bottle and it was Mezcal, Black Label. Apparently it's banned, you know, this Black Label thing. And that was my first experience, te tequila, mate. So no, no tequila for me, mate. <laughs> just the smell of it now is just like, oh, no, mate, you know. But, mate, again... Thanks for coming on the show, mate. Uh, lots of love, and we'll catch up soon. Yeah, pleasure. Love you. All right, brother. Me. Loads of love, mate. Okay. Nice, Andy. Cheers, matey. Thanks for doing yeah. it, brother. Take Live care. hopefully in 1988, and have a great 88.
Music and Culture, the 88 Podcast, with yours truly, Wayne Anthony.